0: Your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. I have been having so much fun connecting with so many different people. I recently got a message from a former member of the Everyday Adventure Challenge just giving me an update and I was like, oh my gosh, it's so fun to hear from you and connect with you. And so I just wanted to push out there. If anyone else, this has been an interesting season that we're in and I've been on calls with people who are just kind of craving connection. So I want to just offer as we lead into this episode, if you are someone that just wants to connect. Here's two ways that you might want to do it. The first is that if you buy me a cup of coffee, I'll put the link in the show notes. I always do a one-on-one. So it's kind of a fun way just to get to know each other, just to ask me questions, just to connect and see what adventure plans you have going. So it's always a fun way to do that. The second way is the Everyday Adventure Challenge. And that is wrapping up. Registration closes on February 5th. And we'll host it again in the summer, but. For the spring, it's going to be wrapping up, but it's a great way to get a challenge each week and to connect with other adventure families. And then the third way that is going to be kicking off is in the arena. It is an adventure community, really helping people with their own lifestyle design, helping them work on adventure goals and aspirations, and be intentional about the next steps that you're taking and learning from people that are also in the arena with you, as opposed to those that might be in the cheap seats who don't understand quite the journey that you're on. And so I have links for all of those in the show notes. One of the reasons I asked this guest to be on the show today is this is someone who, when I started my own lifestyle design, uh, about five years ago, actually, 2018, I embarked on this journey to really figure out what I wanted my life to look like. And I didn't know that full-time travel with kids was an option. I was a little baffled and I had a lot of preconceived notions about what that meant. I, As she alludes to in this interview, it's actually kind of funny. I thought you had to be rich. I thought you had to have a huge following. I thought you had to be a travel influencer. And those were things that over the years I realized, no, those are the stories I was telling myself about this experience. And there was a lot of baggage that I could unpack. And so it's been a journey for us and we are not full-time travel family yet, although it might be on the list of where our future is going. It is just something, though, that I think the more we can inspire conversations and learn from other people who lead lives differently than us, the more the human experience can be. And so I am so excited for this episode today. I was first exposed to the Jet Setting family through their podcast when I was looking for inspiration from Families Who Travel. Through their podcast episodes and Instagram feed, I felt like I was on so many of their travels with them, and they opened my world to places I hadn't heard of or were even in my zone of awareness. Jessica is a photographer and social media content creator for the jet-setting family. Three years ago, she sold most of her stuff and took her family on a full-time adventure around the world. In two years, she visited more than 40 countries with her husband and two young children, working with dozens of brands in the travel and hospitality industry. She now calls Florida home and is ready for the next big adventure. Jessica Sanchez, so excited to have this conversation. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. Thank you so much for having me. I was so honored to be asked to be
1: on the podcast. I haven't done one in a while, so it feels like, you know, it's a throwback in time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's old hat, right? Old hat. Yes. Not too long ago, you were sharing some pros and cons of travel life to home life. And so I want to end up there. But as we go back, I want you to kind of think, a couple of years ago in this space, like when you were just leaping off on this journey, how was this and how did you get to that idea that we're gonna travel full-time as a family? Because that's not something I was seeing a lot of, was traveling with kids. So I would love to take us just kind of through that journey of like, how did you get to that point and deciding that was gonna be what your family was embarking on? It was a crazy
1: transition. So prior to us traveling full-time, my husband was Air Force. So we were a military family. And we were just living a normal life. And I honestly feel like looking back, it started with we bought a home in Colorado Springs that ended up being exhausting for us. Mm -hmm. Maintenance-wise, bill-wise, like it just always felt like we were saving for the next repair and our lives just were really chaotic. Just keeping up with the day-to-day and my husband working and he'd leave for trainings. And we were just like, we are spending so much time putting money into things that we as a family aren't prioritizing. For us, we were like, we really want to go on a vacation, but you know, all of our money was saved for repairs. And so we kind of just sat down and said, how do we prioritize the things that really matter to us? And at the time there weren't as many travel families, but there were a couple the bucket list family being the main one, obviously they're still huge. And we realized maybe if we got rid of everything we own in our house and we got rid of all of those expenses, we could actually afford to go on all these adventures we dreamt of. And we really looked into it and researched it and decided that if we wanted to have quality 100% time with our kids and we could afford to go to all the places we dreamed of, we needed to do it full time. And it was a scary leap, but one we are so glad we made.
0: Yeah. So how old were your kids at the time? So when we left, Nora was two and Santi was five
1: so they were little.
0: It's so fun because I feel like I've grown up with them now. <laughs> like, they don't even know me, but I feel like I know them. It's funny when
1: we do birthday posts, people are always like, oh my gosh, they're that old already. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I know you mentioned in one of your lessons learned that fast travel burns you out and slow travel recharges you. Had you done much traveling prior to this? to learn that? Or was that just kind of an acquired practice through the travel?
1: So I had traveled extensively by myself before getting married. I had already gone to 20 countries. I backpacked through a lot of them by myself. And I already was a huge traveler. And I felt like when I was single and young and had all the energy in the world, I loved fast travel. And I did like it on our journey at times. But with two young kids... We quickly learned it was exhausting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's so hard because as working families, I always feel like we have to crunch everything in. And so we're forced to do fast travel. Like, oh, well, you only have a week. So we got to fit everything in, you know, when it's your life. It's no longer vacation. Did you find that just generally speaking, that moving from a lifestyle approach to travel as opposed to a vacation approach to travel, there were other lessons that you learned along the way?
1: Yes, I definitely think the first nine months of our trip, I mean, we just went all out. We were exhausted, but we pushed and pushed and pushed and we're kind of crazy. And we were getting burnt out and we wanted to be able to sustain it longer. So we kind of realized we had to set a routine for ourselves. So we kind of started setting a schedule where when we got to a place, we'd have a couple down days like we would at home. My husband and I would have a couple work days and then we would set aside days to go out and explore. And so we realized that we just couldn't go like we would on a seven-day vacation because this was our life. Uh, It took a learning curve to get in a perfect groove for our family. But we finally did. We started extending our stays a little longer so that we could have those down days, but still see everything we wanted.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you mentioned even that you can only go as far as you can afford, you know, (laughs) like you have to keep. (laughs) So you also have to keep your spending in check, too. What did you guys end up doing? Did you plan on traveling full time when you set out on this for like two years? Or was that just kind of like, well, we'll see how far we can go and then we'll adjust?
1: We had planned on six months exactly. We were like, we sold everything we owned. We have enough money to last six months. That's our plan. And it was really honestly thanks to Instagram. As our Instagram grew, we started getting more job offers along the way. And so obviously at the time, we weren't getting paid offers, but we were getting discounted free stays which for us would reduce our expenses tremendously. So our budget started stretching further and further and further. And we quickly realized, oh, well, we can also reach out and work on excursions. So then now our stays were free, our excursions were free. So really we were just paying for food. And so we were able to stretch our budget substantially. And then at the end of the two years, we were getting paid. And so right before COVID hits, when we were in a really good place where we were getting a really good income while traveling at a pretty low budget, (laughs)
0: Yeah. And then COVID. <laughs> and then COVID. I know. <laughs> Before we jump into that, do you mind if we just kind of focus on some of the funny lessons learned? I know you say that bad days make good stories. So looking <laughs> back now, what were some of those good story moments, things you couldn't have anticipated that just looking back now were probably not ideal, but you learned from them?
1: Oh, it's all just so random. When I look back, it's such a blur. But We had some crazy drivers was a big thing where we'd be like, we aren't even comfortable in this car. Like we need to get out. What are we doing? We had days where we would start hikes and it would just start pouring on us and we had nothing and we weren't prepared. And so we'd come back laughing. And I think during the day we were hating the moment, but I look back and it was just, we were a muddy mess, like falling down in the mud. And it ended up being just funny moments. We really, really laugh about now. And then some of them were stressful moments. I remember we did a big collab with, it was a really nice five-star hotel in Germany. And at the last day of our photo shoot, we left the camera in a taxi. (gasps) And I just remember the panic we had of like, I remember going to the front desk and being like, you have us in the nicest suite in your hotel that costs way more than we could afford on our own. Can you give us the cheapest room now? Because I don't know how much we're going to have to pay you back if we don't get the photos we've taken. And it was a stressful moment. We found the camera. Thankfully, the taxi driver brought it back to the hotel the next day. But it was just these stressful moments that we look back now and we laugh because, I mean, things happen
0: when you're traveling. Yeah. Yeah. And was that hard? You know, just planning for things that you couldn't always plan for. You know, I'm thinking like internet or like you said, losing a camera or losing gear. I think Rod and I are very laid
1: back people (laughs) and we just kind of roll with the punches really well. I think. That is something, if you're going to full-time travel, you have to just learn to take everything as it comes. You know, flights get delayed, flights get canceled, sometimes the weather's not cooperating, and you just kind of have to get creative and really tell yourself that you have to make the most of the moment, no matter how crappy it may be in that moment. And that's reality of travel. There's beautiful moments and there's really hard moments. And so... You just have to make the most of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. A couple other funny ones I just wanted to highlight, and you don't necessarily have to go into detail, but I thought these were hilarious. Two adults and two kids under six can sleep in a double bed, but it's as awful as you think. <laughs> just, I've been there, done that, like, oh, one bed will be fine. It's horrible. Nobody sleeps. And then a cute little question. Daddy, why are there two potties in the bathroom? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh just to being exposed to different things at different times, right? Yes. And I think seeing our
1: kids exposed to those things were some of my favorite moments. You know, seeing Santi took naps in a tuk-tuk in Cambodia, like in front of Angkor Wat, or seeing them play with school kids in different countries and things that's like little kids kind of just learn quickly and they adapt quicker than adults. But I just look back at, yes, they might not remember it, but to see how well the kids adapt and the funny questions they ask along the way and then how it's so normal to them was
0: a beautiful experience. I remember your post in front of Petra. And I was just like, oh my gosh. It looked like Santi was just lit up. Like he was so excited. You could clearly tell he was enjoying that moment.
1: It was one of our favorite moments was at Petra. And it was really, really rushed because it was a cruise ship. And cruise, I always say, are a great taste tester of places you might want to go, but you can't really dive deep. But it was just, the kids loved it way more than I anticipated. So that always makes it for a good day. (laughs)
0: So two years you're in, you've got 40 countries, you've been all over the world, COVID hits and kind of this massive adjustment and you come back to the United States. What, and I know this is a hard transition, right? Coming down from these adventures can be really hard. How did you make that transition back to the States and how have the kids transitioned out of full-time travel life?
1: Transition home, I honestly think was harder than leaving. I think the emotions and fear of leaving were way more difficult But the long-term adjustment of coming home has been harder, not so much on the kids, but on Rod and I, because we loved, loved, loved our life on the road. But when COVID hit, we obviously, we were in Vietnam for Chinese New Year and we were hearing word and we kind of slowly went to Thailand, then New Zealand, then Australia. And then my dad finally was like, you need to come home. So we came back and we actually had to move in with my parents for, I think it was three or four months because we didn't have a home base. And at the time, you know, they're saying shelter in place for eight weeks or whatever it was. I think it was like two weeks at the time. So we were just like, we don't want to get a place because we want to pack up and leave again. And as we realized that that was going to be more difficult, especially internationally with everything closing, we decided to find a home base and we lost all our contracts for work, which was really sad. But Rod, thankfully, was able to get a different job, and we searched the whole U.S. for where we wanted to raise our kids in a dream community, and we would had kind of been looking while we traveled. We'd kind of figure out, like, well, one day when we settle down, where do we want to go? And it, thankfully, it worked out for us, and we got to move here to Florida, and we got to move exactly to the community we wanted to, and the kids have loved, love, love making new friends and having some of that stability, and they just started school this week, actually, and so... It's been a big adjustment and I think I realize now that we've adjusted how much more to me exhausting it is to travel from a home base like if you're just going for a week I get so lazy like to think of having to pick the clothes and pack and fly and fly back and like the whole thing gets me tired just thinking about it cuz when you're full-time traveling you're not thinking about it cuz everything you own is with you and then usually you buy a one-way ticket so you're not really lazy to fly there and back cuz you're there a month or two months or whatever it may be. It's never rushed. So we're just still trying to find that balance of how we want to travel as a family while having a home base. <laughs> a really interesting transition.
0: Well, and I imagine it is. There's a lot of different things. You talk about the kids making a really good adjustment. Did they have interactions with other kids that sounded like they did on the road? And did you ever feel like that was hard for them? It sounds like they did pretty well while traveling.
1: Honestly, the kids the first year did incredible. And then The beginning half of the second year, everything was easy. They had kids clubs. We would try to, if we were staying longer than a month, we'd try to put them at a local school or a surf camp or some sort of activity where they'd have exposure to locals on a daily basis. And things were great. And I think it was as Santi got older, the last six months of our travel, he started to say, I'm really sad every time I have to say bye to my friends. When do I get to have friends for a lifetime? Or like, when do I get to have friends I don't say bye to? And I think that's when we started to kind of look like maybe we're going to have to settle down sooner than we thought. But our plan at that point was to start doing three month stays at different countries was our plan for 2020 to kind of have him have longer term friendships to some degree without moving every other week. But I think settling down has been really good for Santi. We deep down hope when he hits like maybe those awkward middle school years, he'll be like, Yeah, I'm ready to hit the road again. <laughs> and we can leave for a few more years before they're gone. But yeah, I think at this point, now that he's nine, obviously his say and what his desires are are going to weigh heavily on our choices.
0: Yeah. And how is Nora? How does Nora differ from Santi? Because they're all different, right? They're very different.
1: Um, <laughs> Nora kind of just makes friends where she goes, and Nora's a very free spirit. So Santi loves routine and thrives in routine. And I think that's why when we traveled, we try to have a routine because that's what comforts him. Whereas Nora's like me, she can go where the wind blows and she's really happy. I don't know as she hits eight or nine years old, if that would change for her as well, if it's like a maturity thing. But as of now, I think if we kept traveling as long as she's with mom and dad and doing fun, cool things every day, she'd be super happy on the road.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna jump in now to that pros and cons thing. You know, you are now settled down in Florida and you are now able to reflect back on what life is like post travel, post, I wouldn't say post COVID just yet, but just <laughs> like, you know, there's options. We're closer, hopefully, yes. one day. I don't know. I'm crossing my fingers over here. That option might be opening back up. But what are kind of the pros and cons of home life? And what are you finding as just the mom who lives in Florida as opposed to? just the mom who's traveling around the country with her family. What are the pros and cons? Well, there's a lot of aspects to this question,
1: I guess. It's taken me a while to really love our home. And I, we have a beautiful home and I do love the home, but to feel like I want to invest and make it my own because I am a free spirit. And so every time i decorate decorated or buy something new to put in it, I'm like, oh, this is grounding me more. It's making it more official. We're here to stay. But as this past six months, I've really just said like, okay, this is where the kids are happy. And I need to do that. I've grown to love it more. The cons definitely are, it costs a lot to travel and have a home. And that's something I think people see full-time travelers and they view us as these very wealthy families or these families who, I don't know, have won the lottery or have some secret to life. But the reality is, is you spend just as much full-time traveling as a lot of families do having a home base because I think people don't realize you're substituting costs. So instead of paying a rent or a mortgage, you're now paying for an Airbnb. And we got rid of our cars. So instead of paying a car payment, you're paying for a flight. And so it's really just a huge substitution of cost. And so that's been a balance too for us now. Like when we want to go on trips in the summer, it's like we have to sustain our house here and pay the bills here while also paying whatever additional expenses we're going to incur while gone. So just a different mindset on budgeting has been a big change, but I'm really blessed. I found this amazing community of especially women and families here that we've grown close to. And so to have those friendships and to have the weekly lunch with a bunch of women and have that circle of friends has been a beautiful experience to build. So yeah, it's just pros and cons in every aspect of life. <laughs> yeah. I guess the other big thing is, is Rod had to get a different job now since we lost a lot of contracts. And so... You know, we loved doing everything together as a family, the four of us. And so it feels like now everyone has their own independent life. The kids are at school, Rod is at work. And so I do miss the intense amount of time we spent together.
0: Yeah, exactly. You were with each other almost 24-7. I mean, obviously there was breaks in that, but you were together a lot. And now I can see that. I also struggled when my kids went back to school. I was like, wait a minute. I don't know what my kids are doing now. I mean, it's not like I need to know everything all the time, but I come home and I'm like, what's going on? They're like, "Eh, nothing. How was school? "Eh, It was okay. You know, (laughs) like, well, like what's going on? (laughs) I know. I get nothing from them. I'm like, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I know you also picked up an Airbnb in Florida. Is
1: that correct? That is correct. That was a goal of ours when we settled down. So we do have an Airbnb. When we settled in Florida, we actually wanted our main home to be an Airbnb as well. And that was a huge debate when we settled down is the neighborhood we really wanted to move to with the kids does not allow short-term rentals. And so it was a big debate if it was the right choice because when we leave for the summer, we can't rent our main home out. The beauty in that is all of our neighbors are full-time people and they're not coming and going. So we have a lot of stability within our neighborhood, but we wanted to have that extra income, that passive income while eventually we want a full time travel again. So that was really important to us. So we did get an Airbnb. It's in 30A, which is in the panhandle of Florida. So it's in between Panama City and like Dustin area. And it's beautiful. It's a studio. So it's pretty small as we start out and try to navigate that part of life. But it's interesting to be on the other side. We stayed at over fifty Airbnbs. So now to host people, yeah. It's I guess
0: the other side of the coin. <laughs> I was imagining that too having been in so many Airbnbs as a guest, you know, how did that inform your decision? And how do you treat now your host role? (laughs) Having all of those years of like, what does it take to be a good guest? I'm assuming you'd be an amazing hostess.
1: I think it definitely helped play a part in what we bought. We almost at the beginning wanted a larger place. And in order for us to afford a larger place at the time, it wasn't as walker accessible. It just wasn't as walkable. And we remembered back when we traveled, a lot of the times, the number one thing we looked at is we would take Walkability over comfort at times because we wanted to be able to fly, take an Uber, and just be settled in and be able to go everywhere. And so when we got our Airbnb, it was that debate again. And we said, well, what would we pick if we were traveling? And so our place is way smaller than we originally wanted, but you're less than a block from the beach. You can walk to all the restaurants, you can walk to get groceries. So, like, once you're there, we made that decision based on just our travel experience and what we prioritized while we were traveling. And then I tried to incorporate things that we liked when we got there, like a photo book of things to do in the area and just little things that were important to us when we were traveling.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's great. If others are interested in this lifestyle or I know they can follow you on the blog, I know your podcast is, you know, you haven't done one in a while, but there's still a lot of really great information. What tips would you give if families are interested in a full-time travel or even like questioning this lifestyle? Do you have any place that you would suggest they go or tips for them or advice that you would give your younger self (laughs) embarking on this journey? I definitely think Instagram is an amazing place
1: for the full-time travel community. There are a ton of families on there, especially if you go back to our podcast, we had two seasons We actually interviewed a lot of those families and a lot of it was about how they financed because that was an interesting thing when we were full-time traveling is to see how everyone else financed their journey. Every family did so differently and it just made me realize like how accessible it is to a lot of people. And so I think definitely Instagram, those communities are out there and a lot of these full-time travel families are passionate about what they do. They want to share their experiences with others and they want to make it attainable for others. So, if you just direct message a family that inspires you on Instagram, a lot of times they're going to reply and give you advice as well. So, th- I think that's the route I would go. Obviously, our blog or us personally, if anyone's interested, is more than welcome to message us.
0: Yeah, excellent. Did you ever keep a list of like wish lists? Someday, maybe here I want to go. <laughs> I'm seeing oh some gosh. inspiration here.
1: It's funny because I always tell people whatever your bucket list is of like 20 places or whatever for every place you go to, you decide you want to go to two more. So it's like the list becomes exponentially larger the more places you go, which it sounds counterintuitive to some degree, but like, I think as you meet people throughout your journey, they start recommending places and you discover all these gems you never knew existed. So definitely we have never been to the Maldives. That's very high on our list. Hoping next summer, that's somewhere I would love, love, love to experience there and Bora Bora, all the beachy romantic places. (laughs) (laughs) And then a lot of places throughout Africa. I did Africa some before I was married, but haven't gone with the kids. And so a lot of it right now, I know with everyone traveling, it's hard to plan for summer because we don't know what's the world going to be at.
0: (laughs) Well, this has been so fascinating, Jessica. I really appreciate you taking the time. If people want to connect with you again, do you just want to share where they can find you?
1: Yes. Yeah, so you can find us on Instagram at the Jet Setting Family. You can find us on our website. It's thejetsettingfamily.com or on Facebook. If you search the Jetsetting Family, we're on there as well. And we're always happy to connect with people who want to possibly do a full-time journey or just ask questions. So feel free to reach out.
0: Perfect. And I'm going to link, there's a couple of blog posts in particular. The one, the lessons learned, I think is on there. And then the pros and cons, I think that we both referenced in this episode. I'll link both of those in the show notes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. This has been such a joy. You have been such an inspiration for me to see a mom and a working family still figure this out and transition. And I just feel like we've learned so much just by watching you and you sharing your story has been extremely inspirational for us. So thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for sharing that. We're really blessed for every family who follows along our journey. It's always thanks to you guys that so many opportunities have come our way. And we just love this little community. So Hope it continues to grow.
0: (laughs) Jess, thank you. That was so I have loved the Jet Setting family and just the realness they bring to the conversation and just the openness and the honesty and sharing the both the struggles and the high points and all of those things in between. It's definitely a journey. I have whittled the key takeaways down to 10 for this episode. Number one, they bought a home and ended up being exhausted. As she says, it always felt like we were saving for the next repair and realized they were spending so much time and money on things that weren't actually important to their family. So they sat down and one of the things they wanted to prioritize was travel. Number two, while single, young, and had all the energy in the world, she loved fast travel. However, as a mom of two young kids, fast travel was exhausting, which led to a deeper experience through slow travel. Number three. The transition from a vacation mindset to a lifestyle mindset is a learning curve. After nine months, they settled into a routine of having two down days and built in a couple of work days. You can only travel as long as your budget allows. While they initially planned to travel for six months, they were able to secure some discounted or free stays towards the end of that, and then expanded to have discounted and free tours, eventually leading them to reduced expenses. After two years of full-time travel, they had also secured substantial paid contracts. Number four, if you're going to travel full-time, you have to learn how to take things as they come. The reality of travel is there are beautiful moments and there are really hard moments. Number five, yes, kids might not remember the travels, but seeing how they adapt, the funny questions they ask along the way and how it becomes so normal to them is just a really beautiful experience. Number six, as Jess alluded to, cruises are a great taste test of where you might wanna go, but they don't allow you to go deep into the culture, into the food, into the location. Number seven, transitioning home, she's reminded of how much more exhausting it is to travel from a home base than to travel full time. When you are traveling full-time, you aren't thinking about what to pack because you have everything you own with you. It costs a lot to travel when you own a home as well. As she states, I think people see full-time travel families as families who are really wealthy or have some secret to life. But the reality is you're just substituting living expenses. Instead of paying for a car ownership, you're paying for a flight. Instead of rent or a mortgage, you're paying for lodging. What they realize coming home is being home actually feels like they have much more independent lives and they're not spending as much time together as they did when they were traveling. Number eight, after a year of travel, anytime they were in a location for one month or longer, they would enroll the kids in local schools or activities where they would have daily exposure to other kids. Number nine, families interested in exploring full-time travel might want to explore Instagram. Many families are passionate about the lifestyle and want to make it accessible. Feel free to DM them with any questions and chances are they may have content or insights to share. And number 10, for every bucket list travel that you go, you'll end up adding two more places. You'll meet people along the way and they'll offer so many other gems that you didn't know about or suggestions of places to try out. I am sharing... Jess's contact information in the show notes, as well as two articles, Lessons Learned from Full-Time Travel and the Pros and Cons of Travel versus Being Home. I have so appreciated Jess, Rod, and the Sanchez family's content through The Jet Setting Family. I'd encourage you to check out even their podcast, even though they're not producing anymore and it's a couple years old, it's still really good content on their journey and interviewing other families who have done full-time travel. I hope this episode opens your eyes a little bit to what could be possible. I know a lot of people in my world love travel, and they think it's a, something that you do in between work, in between time off from work or time off from school. And I just wanted to expose you to an option that might not be in your circle of influence or you may not have exposure to, and know that there are options. There are opportunities to see things just a little bit differently, to be curious about how other families are doing it. And until next time, I hope you find the source of adventure that lights you up and brings you joy. We'll talk next week. Take care. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us.